What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Section 20. From Satirical and Humorous Poems, Part 5, by Thomas Moore. Read for LibriVox.org by Noel Badrian. Thoughts on the Present Government of Ireland, 1828. Oft have I seen, in gay equestrian pride, some well-rouged youth round Astley's circus ride, two stately steeds, standing with graceful straddle, like him of Rhodes, with foot on either saddle while to soft tunes some jigs and some andantes he steers around his light-paced rosinantes so rides along with canter smooth and pleasant that horseman bold lord anglesey at present papist and protestant the coursers twain that lend their necks to his impartial reign and round the ring each honoured as they go with equal pressure from his gracious toe to the old medley tune half patrick's day and half boyne water take their cantering way while peel the showman in the middle cracks his long-lashed whip to cheer the doubtful hacks ah ticklish trial of equestrian art how blessed if neither steed would bolt or start if protestants old restive tricks were gone and papists winkers could be still kept on but no false hopes not even the great ducrow twixt two such steeds could scrape and overthrow if solar hacks played phaeton a trick what hope alas from hackney's lunatic if once my lord his graceful balance loses or fails to keep each foot where each horse chooses if peel but gives one extra touch of whip to papist's tail or protestant's ear-tip that instant ends their glorious horsemanship off bolt the severed steeds for mischief free and down between them plumps lord anglesey End of poem. Ode to the Woods and Forests by One of the Board, 1828 Let other bards to groves repair, where linnets strain their tuneful throats. Mine be the woods and forests where the treasury pours its sweeter notes. No whispering winds have charms for me, nor zephyr's balmy sighs I ask. To raise the wind for royalty be all our sylvan zephyr's task instead of crystal brooks and floods and all such vulgar irritation let gallic rhino through our woods divert its course of liquidation ah surely virgil knew full well what woods and forests ought to be when sly he introduced in hell his guinea plant his bouillon tree nor see i why some future day when short of cash we should not send our herries down 
he knows the way to see if woods in hell will lend long may ye flourish sylvan haunts beneath whose branches of expense our gracious king gets all he wants except a little taste and sense long in our golden shade reclined like him of fair armida's bowers may wellington some wood nymph find to cheer his dothenth lustrum's hours to rest from toil the great untaught and soothe the pangs his warlike brain must suffer when unused to thought it tries to think and tries in vain o oh, long may woods and forests be preserved in all their teeming graces to shelter tory bards like me who take delight in sylvan places End of poem stanzas from the banks of the shannon 1828 take back the virgin page moore's irish melodies no longer dear vesey feel hurt and uneasy at hearing it said by thy treasury brother that thou art a sheet of blank paper my vesey and he the dear innocent placeman another for lo what a service we irish have done thee thou now art a sheet of blank paper no more by st patrick we've scrawled such a lesson upon thee as never was scrawled upon foolscap before come on with your spectacles noble lord duke or o'connell has green ones he haply would lend you read vc all o'er as you can't read a book and improve by the lesson we bog-trotters send you a lesson in large roman characters traced whose awful impressions from you and your kin of blank-sheeted statesmen will ne'er be effaced unless stead of paper your mere ass's skin shall i help you to construe it ay by the gods could i risk a translation you should have a rare one but pen against sabre is desperate odds and you my lord duke as you hinted once wear one again and again i say read vici o'er you will find him worth all the old scrolls of papyrus that egypt ere filled with nonsensical lore or the learned champollion ere wrote of to tire us all blank as he was we've returned him on hand scribbled o'er with a warning to princes and dukes whose plain simple drift if they won't understand though caressed at st james's they're fit for st luke's talk of leaves of the sibyls more meaning conveyed is in one single leaf such as now we have spelled on that ear hath been uttered by all the old ladies that ever yet spoke from the sibyls to eldon end of poem irish antiquities according to some learned opinions the irish once were carthaginians but trusting to more late descriptions i'd rather say they were egyptians my reason's this the priests of isis when forth they marched in long array employed amongst other grave devices a sacred ass to lead the way and still the antiquarian traces mong irish lords this pagan plan for still in all religious cases they put lord roden in the van End of poem. resolutions passed at a late meeting of reverends and right reverends resolved to stick to every particle of every creed and every article reforming naught or great or little we'll staunchly stand by every tittle and scorn the swallow of that soul which cannot boldly bolt the whole resolved that though saint athanasius in damning souls is rather spacious though wide and far his curses fall our church hath stomach for them all and those who are not content with such may e'en be damned ten times as much resolved such liberal souls are we though hating nonconformity 
we yet believe the cash no worse is that comes from nonconformist purses indifferent whence the money reaches the pockets of our reverend breeches to us the jumper's jingling penny chinks with a tone as sweet as any and even our old friends yea and nay may through the nose for ever pray if also through the nose they'll pay resolved that hooper latimer and cranmer all extremely err in taking such a low-bred view of what lords spiritual ought to do all owing to the fact poor men that mother church was modest then nor knew what golden eggs her goose the public would in time produce one pishgar peep at modern durham to far more lordly thoughts would stir em resolved that when we spiritual lords whose income just enough affords to keep our spiritual lordships cosy are told by antiquarians prosy how ancient bishops cut up theirs giving the poor the largest shares our answer is in one short word we think it pious but absurd those good men made the world their debtor but we the church reformed no better and taking all that all can pay balance the accounts the other way resolved our thanks profoundly due are to last month's quarterly reviewer who proves by arguments so clear one sees how much he holds per year that england's church though out of date must still be left to lie in state as dead as rotten and as grand as the mummy of king osmiandas all pickled snug the brains drawn out with costly cerements swathed about and touch me not those words terrific scrawled o'er her in good hieroglyphic end of poem proposals for a gynecocracy addressed to a late radical meeting quas ipsa decus sibi dia camilla Delegit pacisque bonas bellique ministras. Virgil. As Whig reform has had its range, and none of us are yet content, suppose, my friends, by way of change, we try a female parliament. And since of late, with he MPs, we've fared so badly, take to she's. Petticoat patriots flounced John Russell's burdettes in blonde and bromes in bustles the plan is startling i confess but tis an affair of dress nor see i much there is to choose twixt ladies so they're thoroughbred ones in ribbons of all sorts of hues or lords in only blue or red ones at least the fiddlers will be winners whatever other trade advances as then instead of cabinet dinners we'll have at almax cabinet dances nor let this world's important questions depend on ministers digestions if uday's receipts have done things ill to wipert's band they may go better there's lady x in one quadrille would settle europe if you'd let her and who the deuce or asks or cares when whigs or tories have undone em whether they've danced through state affairs or simply duly dined upon em hurrah then for the petticoats to them we pledge our free-born votes we'll have all she and only she pert blues shall act as best debaters old dowagers our bishops be and termagannets our agitators if vestress to oblige the nation her own olympus will abandon and help to prop the administration i can't have better legs to stand on the famed macaulay miss shall show each evening forth in learned oration shall move midst general cries of o oh, for full returns of population and finally to crown the whole the princess olive royal soul shall from her bower in banco regis descend to bless her faithful lieges and mid our union's loyal chorus reign jollily for ever o'er us
End of poem. The Consultation When they do agree, their unanimity is wonderful. The Critic, 1833 Scene discovers Dr. Whig and Dr. Tory in consultation, patient on the floor between them. Dr. Whig, this wild Irish patient does pester me so, that what to do with him I'm cursed if I know. I've promised him anodynes. Dr. Tory, anodynes? Stuff. Tie him down, gag him well. He'll be tranquil enough. That's my mode of practice. Dr. Whig, true, quite in your line, but unluckily not much till lately in mine. Tis so painful. Dr. Tory, pooh, nonsense. Ask Ude how he feels when, for epicure feasts, he prepares his live eels by flinging em in twixt the bars of the fire and letting them wriggle on till they tire. He, too, says, tis painful, quite makes his heart bleed, but your eels are a vile oleaginous breed. He would fain use them gently, but cookery says no. And, in short, eels were born to be treated just so. Tis the same with these Irish, who're odder fish still. Your tender wig heart shrinks from using them ill. I, myself, in my youth, ere I came to get wise, used at some operations to blush to the eyes. But in fact, my dear brother, if I may make bold, to style you as Peachum did lock it of old, we doctors must act with the firmness of you day, and, indifferent like him, so the fish is but stewed, must torture live pats for the general good. Here patient groans and kicks a little. Dr. Wig, but what if one's patient's so devilish perverse that he won't be thus tortured? Dr. Tory, coerce, sir, coerce. You're a juvenile performer, but once you begin, you can't think how fast you may train your hand in. And, smiling, who knows but old Tory may take to the shelf with the comforting thought that in place and in pelf he's succeeded by one just as bad as himself dr wig looking flattered why to tell you the truth i've a small matter here which you helped me to make for my patient last year goes to a cupboard and brings out a straight waistcoat and gag and such rest i've enjoyed from his raving since then that i've made up my mind he shall wear it again dr tory embracing him oh charming my dear dr wig you're a treasure next to torturing myself to help you is a pleasure assisting dr wig give me leave i've some practice in these mad machines there tighter the gag in the mouth by all means delightful all snug not a squeak need you fear you may now put your anodynes off till next year scene closes end of poem paddy's metamorphosis eighteen thirty three about fifty years since in the days of our daddies that plan was commenced which the wise now applaud of shipping off ireland's most turbulent paddies as good raw materials for settlers abroad some west indian island whose name i forget was the region then chosen for this scheme so romantic and such the success the first colony met that a second soon after set sail o'er the atlantic Behold them now safe at the long-looked-for shore, Sailing in between banks that the Shannon might greet, And thinking of friends whom but two years before They had sorrowed to lose, but would soon again meet. And hark, from the shore a glad welcome there came, Arrah, Paddy, from Cork, is it you, my sweet boy? While Pat stood astounded to hear his own name, Thus hailed by black devils who capered for joy. Can it possibly be, half amazement, half doubt, Pat listens again, rubs his eyes and looks steady, 
then heaves a deep sigh and in horror yells out good lord only think black and curly already deceived by that well-mimicked brogue in his ears pat reads his own doom in these wool-headed figures and thought what a climate in less than two years to turn a whole cargo of pats into niggers moral tis thus but alas by a marvel more true than is told in this rival of ovid's best stories your wigs when in office a short year or two by a lucis naturae all turn into tories and thus when i hear them strong measures advise ere the seats that they sit on have time to get steady i say while i listen with tears in my eyes good lord only think black and curly already End of poem. epistle from henry of exeter to john of tuam dear john as i know like our brother of london you've sipped of all knowledge both sacred and mundane no doubt in some ancient joe miller you've read what cato that cunning old roman once said that he ne'er saw two reverend soothsayers meet let it be where it might in the shrine or the street without wondering the rogues mid their solemn grimaces didn't burst out a laughing in each other's faces what cato then meant though tis so long ago even we in the present times pretty well know having soothsayers also who sooth to say john are no better in some points than those of days gone and a pair of whom meeting between you and me might laugh in their sleeves too all lawn though they be but this by the way my intention being chiefly in this my first letter to hint to you briefly that seeing how fond you of tuum must be while meum's at all times the main point with me we scarce could do better than form an alliance to set these sad anti-church times at defiance you john recollect being still to embark with no share in the firm but your title and mark or even should you feel in your grandeur inclined to call yourself pope why i shouldn't much mind while my church as usual holds fast by your tuum and every one else's to make it all suum thus allied i've no doubt we shall nicely agree as no twins can be liker in most points than we both specimens choice of that mixed sort of beast see revelations chapter thirteen verse one a political priest both mettlesome charges both brisk pamphleteers ripe and ready for all that sets men by the ears and i at least one who would scorn to stick longer by any given cause than i found it the stronger and who smooth in my turnings as if on a swivel when the tone ecclesiastic won't do try the civil in short not to bore you even jure divino we've the same cause in common john all but the rhino and that vulgar surplus whate'er it may be as you're not used to cash john you'd best leave to me and so without form as the postman won't tarry i'm dear jack of tuum yours exeter harry end of poem this recording is in the public domain section twenty one from miscellaneous poems by thomas moore read for LibriVox.org by noel badrian on reading lord byron's memoirs venice lord byron's memoirs written by himself reflections when about to read them let me a moment ere with fear and hope of gloomy glorious things these leaves i ope as one in fairy tale to whom the key of some enchanter's secret halls is given doubts while he enters slowly tremblingly if he shall meet with shapes from hell or heaven 
let me a moment think what thousands live o'er the wide earth this instant who would give gladly whole sleepless nights to bend the brow over these precious leaves as i do now how all who know and where is he unknown to what far region have his songs not flown like saffon's birds speaking their master's name in every language syllabled by fame how all who felt the various spells combined within the circle of that master mind like spells derived from many a star and met together in some wondrous amulet would burn to know when first the light awoke in his young soul and if the gleams that broke from that aurora of his genius raised more pain or bliss in those on whom they blazed would love to trace the unfolding of that power which hath grown ampler grander every hour and feel in watching o'er his first advance as did the egyptian traveller when he stood by the young nile and fathomed with his lance the first small fountains of that mighty flood they too who mid the scornful thoughts that dwell in his rich fancy tinging all its streams as if the star of bitterness which fell on earth of old had touched them with its beams can track a spirit which though driven to hate from nature's hands came kind affectionate and which even now struck as it is with blight comes out at times in love's own native light how gladly all who've watched these struggling rays of a bright ruined spirit through his lays would here inquire as from his own frank lips what desolating grief what wrongs had driven that noble nature into cold eclipse like some fair orb that once a sun in heaven and born not only to surprise but cheer with warmth and lustre all within its sphere is now so quenched that of its grandeur lasts naught but the wide cold shadow which it casts eventful volume whatsoe'er the change of scene and clime the adventures bold and strange the griefs the frailties but too frankly told the loves the feuds thy pages may unfold if truth with half so prompt a hand unlocks his virtues as his failings we shall find the record there of friendships held like rocks and enmities like sun-touched snow resigned of fealty cherished without change or chill in those who served him young and serve him still of generous aid given with that noiseless art which wakes not pride to many a wounded heart of acts but no not from himself must aught of the bright features of his life be sought while they who caught the world like milton's cloud turn forth their silver lining on the crowd this gifted being wraps himself in night and keeping all that softens and adorns and gilds his social nature hid from sight turns but its darkness on a world he scorns End of poem. Lines on the death of Sheridan. Principibus placuisse viris. Horatio. Yes, grief will have way, but the last falling tear shall be mingled with deep execrations on those who could bask in that spirit's median career and yet leave it thus lonely and dark at its close whose vanity flew round him only while fed by the odour his fame in its summer-time gave whose vanity now with quick scent for the dead like the ghoul of the east comes to feed at his grave 
oh it sickens the heart to see bosoms so hollow and spirits so mean in the great and high-born to think what a long line of titles may follow the relics of him who died friendless and lorn how proud they can press to the funeral array of one whom they shunned in his sickness and sorrow how bailiffs may seize his last blanket to-day whose pall shall be held up by nobles to-morrow and thou too whose life a sick epicure's dream incoherent and gross even grosser had passed were it not for that cordial and soul-giving beam which his friendship and wit o'er thy nothingness cast no not for the wealth of the land that supplies thee with millions to heap upon foppery's shrine no not for the riches of all who despise thee though this would make europe's whole opulence mine would i suffer what even in the heart that thou hast all mean as it is must have consciously burned when the pittance which shame had wrung from thee at last and which found all his wants at an end was returned was this then the fate future ages will say when some names will live but in history's curse when truth will be heard and these lords of a day be forgotten as fools or remembered as worse was this then the fate of that high gifted man the pride of the palace the bower and the hall the orator dramatist minstrel who ran through each mode of the lyre and was master of all whose mind was an essence compounded with art from the finest and best of all other men's powers who ruled like a wizard the world of the heart and could call up its sunshine or bring down its showers whose humour as gay as the firefly's light played round every subject and shone as it played whose wit in the combat as gentle as bright near carried a heart stain away on its blade whose eloquence brightening whatever it tried whether reason or fancy the gay or the grave was as rapid as deep and as brilliant a tide as ever bore freedom aloft on its wave yes such was the man and so wretched his fate and thus sooner or later shall all have to grieve who waste their morn's dew in the beams of the great and expect twill return to refresh them at eve in the woods of the north there are insects that prey on the brain of the elk till his very last sigh o oh, genius thy patrons more cruel than they first feed on thy brains and then leave thee to die end of poem sir john stevenson from rhymes on the road and still to lead our evening choir was he invoked thy loved one's sire he who if aught of grace there be in the wild notes i write or sing first smoothed their links of harmony and lent them charms they did not bring he of the gentlest simplest heart with whom employed in his sweetest art that art which gives this world of ours a notion how they speak in heaven i've passed more bright and charmed hours than all earth's wisdom could have given o oh, happy days o oh, early friends how life since then hath lost its flowers but yet though time some foliage rends the stem the friendship still is ours and long may it endure as green and fresh as it hath always been how i have wandered from my theme but where is he that could return to such cold subjects from a dream through which these best of feelings burn 
not all the works of science art or genius in this world are worth one genuine sigh that from the heart friendship or love draws freshly forth end of poem a remonstrance after a conversation with lord john russell in which he had intimated some idea of giving up all political pursuits what thou with thy genius thy youth and thy name thou born of a russell whose instinct to run the accustomed career of thy sires is the same as the eaglet's to soar with his eyes on the sun whose nobility comes to thee stamped with a seal far far more ennobling than monarch ear set with the blood of thy race offered up for the wheel of a nation that swears by that martyrdom yet shalt thou be faint-hearted and turn from the strife from the mighty arena where all that is grand and devoted and pure and adorning in life tis for high-thoughted spirits like thine to command oh no never dream it while good men despair between tyrants and traitors and timid men bow never think for an instant thy country can spare such a light from her darkening horizon as thou with a spirit as meek as the gentlest of those who in life's sunny valley lie sheltered and warm yet bold and heroic as ever yet rose to the top cliffs of fortune and breasted her storm with an ardour for liberty fresh as in youth it first kindles the bard and gives life to his lyre yet mellowed even now by the mildness of truth which tempers but chills not the patriot fire with an eloquence not like those rills from a height which sparkle and foam and in vapour are o'er but a current that works out its way into light through the filtering recesses of thought and of law thus gifted thou never canst sleep in the shade if the stirrings of genius the music of fame and the charms of thy cause have not power to persuade yet think how to freedom thou'rt pledged by thy name like the boughs of that laurel by delphi's decree set apart for the fane and its service divine so the branches that spring from the old russell tree are by liberty claimed for the use of her shrine end of poem my birthday my birthday what a different sound that word had in my youthful ears and how each time the day comes round less and less white its mark appears when first our scanty years are told it seems like pastime to grow old and as youth counts the shining links that time around him binds so fast pleased with the task he little thinks how hard that chain will press at last vain was the man and false as vain who said were he ordained to run his long career of life again he would do all that he had done ah tis not thus the voice that dwells in sober birthdays speaks to me for otherwise of time it tells lavished unwisely carelessly of counsel mocked of talents made haply for high and pure designs but oft like israel's incense laid upon unholy earthly shrines of nursing many a wrong desire of wandering after love too far and taking every meteor fire that crossed my pathway for his star all this it tells and could i trace the imperfect picture o'er again with power to add retouch efface the lights and shades and joy and pain how little of the past would stay how quickly all should melt away all but that freedom of the mind which hath been more than wealth to me those friendships in my boyhood twined and kept till now unchangingly 
and that dear home that saving ark where love's true light at last i've found cheering within when all grows dark and comfortless and stormy round end of poem to lady holland on napoleon's legacy of a snuff-box gift of the hero on his dying day to her whose pity watched for ever nigh oh could he see the proud the happy ray this relic lights up in her generous eye sighing he'd feel how easy tis to pay a friendship all his kingdoms could not buy paris july eighteen twenty one end of poem this recording is in the public domain section twenty two from odes of anacreon by thomas moore read for librivox dot org by noel badrian ode number eight i care not for the idle state of persia's king the rich the great i envy not the monarch's throne nor wish the treasured gold my own but oh be mine the rosy wreath its freshness o'er my brow to breathe be mine the rich perfumes that flow to cool and scent my locks of snow to-day i'll haste to quaff my wine as if to-morrow ne'er would shine but if to-morrow comes why then i'll haste to quaff my wine again and thus while all our days are bright nor time has dimmed their bloomy light let us the festal hours beguile with mantling cup and cordial smile and shed from each new bowl of wine the richest drop on bacchus's shrine for death may come with brow unpleasant may come when least we wish him present and beckon to the sable shore and grimly bid us drink no more End of poem ode number fourteen count me on the summer trees every leaf that courts the breeze count me on the foamy deep every wave that sinks to sleep then when you have numbered these billowy tides and leafy trees count me all the flames i prove all the gentle nymphs i love first of pure athenian maids sporting in their olive shades you may reckon just a score nay i'll grant you fifteen more in the famed corinthian grove where such countless wantons rove chains of beauties may be found chains by which my heart is bound there indeed are nymphs divine dangerous to a soul like mine many bloom in lesbos's isle many in ionia smile rhodes a pretty swarm can boast caria too contains a host some them all of brown and fair you may count two thousand there what you stare i pray you peace more i'll find before i cease have i told you all my flames mong the amorous syrian dames have i numbered every one glowing under egypt's sun or the nymphs who blushing sweet deck the shrines of love in crete where the gods with festal play hold eternal holiday still in clusters still remain gades warm desiring train still there lies a myriad more on the sable india's shore these and many far removed all are loving all are loved end of poem ode number thirty four o thou of all creation blest sweet insect that delightest to rest upon the wild woods leafy tops to drink the dew that morning drops 
and chirp thy song with such a glee that happiest kings may envy thee whatever decks the velvet field whate'er the circling seasons yield whatever buds whatever blows for thee it buds for thee it grows nor yet art thou the peasant's fear to him thy friendly notes are dear for thou art mild as matin dew and still when summer's flowery hue begins to paint the bloomy plain we hear thy sweet prophetic strain thy sweet prophetic strain we hear and bless the notes and thee revere the muses love thy shrilly tone apollo calls thee all his own twas he who gave that voice to thee tis he who tunes thy minstrelsy unworn by ages dim decline the fadeless blooms of youth are thine melodious insect child of earth in wisdom mirthful wise in mirth exempt from every weak decay that withers vulgar frames away with not a drop of blood to stain the current of thy purer vein so blest an age is passed by thee thou seemest a little deity end of poem ode number fifty five while we invoke the wreathed spring resplendent rose to thee we'll sing whose breath perfumes the olympian bowers whose virgin blush of chastened dye enchants so much our mortal eye when pleasure's springtide season glows the graces love to wreathe the rose and venus in its fresh-blown leaves an emblem of herself perceives oft hath the poet's magic tongue the rose's fair luxuriance sung and long the muses heavenly maids have reared it in their tuneful shades when at the early glance of morn it sleeps upon the glittering thorn tis sweet to dare the tangled fence to cull the timid floweret thence and wipe with tender hand away the tear that on its blushes lay tis sweet to hold the infant stems yet dropping with aurora's gems and fresh inhale the spicy sighs that from the weeping buds arise when rebel reigns when mirth is high and bacchus beams in every eye our rosy fillets scent exhale and fill with balm the fainting gale there's naught in nature bright or gay where roses do not shed their ray when morning paints the orient skies her fingers burn with roseate dyes young nymphs betray the rose's hue o'er whitest arms it kindles through in cytherea's form it glows and mingles with the living snows the rose distills a healing balm the beating pulse of pain to calm preserves the cold inured clay and mocks the vestige of decay and when at length in pale decline its florid beauties fade and pine sweet as in youth its balmy breath diffuses odour even in death oh whence could such a plant have sprung listen for thus the tale is sung when humid from the silvery stream effusing beauty's warmest beam venus appeared in flushing hues mellowed by ocean's briny dews when in the starry courts above the pregnant brain of mighty jove disclosed the nymph of azure glance the nymph who shakes the martial lance then then in strange eventful hour the earth produced an infant flower which sprung in blushing glories dressed and wantoned o'er its parent breast the gods beheld this brilliant birth and hailed the rose the boon of earth with nectar drops a ruby tide the sweetly orient buds they dyed and bade them bloom the flowers divine of him who gave the glorious vine 
and bade them on the spangled thorn expand their bosoms to the morn end of poem ode number sixty one youth's endearing charms are fled hoary locks deform my head bloomy graces dalliance gay all the flowers of life decay withering age begins to trace sad memorials o'er my face time has shed its sweetest bloom all the future must be gloom this it is that sets me sighing dreary is the thought of dying lone and dismal is the road down to pluto's dark abode and when once the journey's o'er ah we can return no more End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Section twenty three. Epigram by Thomas Moore. Read for LibriVox.org by Noel Badrian. Epigram from the Greek. Around the tomb, O bard divine, Where soft thy hallowed brow reposes, Long may the deathless ivy twine, And summer spread her waste of roses. And there shall many a fount distill, And many a rill refresh the flowers, But wine shall be each purple rill, And every fount be milky showers thus shade of him whom nature taught to tune his lyre and soul to pleasure who gave to love his tenderest thought who gave to love his fondest measure thus after death if shades can feel thou mayest from odours round thee streaming a pulse of past enjoyment steal and live again in blissful dreaming end of poem and end of poetry of thomas moore american giant makes the durable comfortable spring closet staples you need for work the gym and even happy hour made in america designed to last a lifetime get 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com with code staple 20 when you visit arizona time is measured in moments not minutes like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.